Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And uh, we're going to look at verses 16 and 17. And actually, we'll read verses 15 down through verse number 17. And uh, just to get the context. Uh, so if you're able to stand uh, for the reading of God's Word, uh, I invite you to do that. Colossians chapter 3. And uh, we'll just read verses 15 down through 17 here. The Bible says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Lord, thank you for the day you've given to us. And Lord, now as we look into your word, I pray that you would help us to uh, receive well the word of God and apply it to our lives. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The title of the message tonight is Top Priorities for Christians. And these aren't the only priorities that we should have in our lives, but in, these, in this passage, particularly in verse 16 and 17, we do find uh, three very important priorities in our lives. Now, once again, um, the context of chapter 3, remember, is the fact that we are risen with Christ. In verse number 1, he says, If ye then be risen with Christ, and really it, it, the meaning of that is, since you are risen with Christ, we are to seek those things which are above. And uh, verse number 3 says, Ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. And uh, we are basically, because we are risen with Christ, we are to have some of these priorities in our lives. In verse number 5, we're to put to death the members which are upon the earth, uh, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetous, which is idolatry. And then we're to put off some of these things. We're to put off the grave clothes of the old life because we no longer need them. Why? Because we're risen with Christ. We're to put off, uh, verse number 8, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. And uh, verse number 9, lying. We're to put off all of those things. And instead, verse number 10, we're to put on the grace clothes of the new life. Uh, verse number 12 kind of details what those things are. Um, we're to put on bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, forgiveness, um, and then verse number 14 kind of encapsulates all of it by saying we're to put on charity. So put off the grave clothes of the old life, put on the grace clothes of the new man. And then verse number 15, now the, the emphasis is on the inward. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And then verse 16, again, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And in the end of it, end of verse 16, singing with grace in your heart. So again, the emphasis goes from outward to inward in verses 15 and 16. And so uh, in verse 16 and 17, we look at some top priorities of uh, for Christians. And what are these priorities? Uh, let me just give them to you very quickly tonight. Number one, the Word of God needs to be a top priority for Christians. You say, well, that one's kind of easy. 
Um, you didn't really think too hard on that one. That didn't take a lot of study. I could have come up with that one, Pastor. Yeah, I know that it's something we all know and it's something that we all are aware of, but here it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And I want to take a moment and kind of cover this here uh, with us. Now, again, the word let means to allow. Allow the word of God to dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And here we're encouraged in this passage to be filled with the scriptures. And if you remember back to Ephesians 5.19, let's flip back over there. It's two books before this. Ephesians 5 verse number 19 uh, or verse number 18 it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So the parallel passage of Colossians 3.16 is Ephesians 5.18 and 19. And the encouragement in Ephesians is to be filled with the Spirit and here in Colossians 3, 6, 16, we're encouraged to be filled with the Scriptures, the Spirit and the Scriptures. Okay, now the word dwell means, it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you. It means to inhabit, to live within. So the Word of God is a living book, and it should reside within each and every one of us as believers. The, the, when, and once we're saved, the, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within us, but once we're saved, now we should be focused on feeding on the Word of God. Okay, and if you're saying, well, boy, doesn't this sound like a Brother Decker's message on the caterpillar and what he does? He's supposed to, he, all he does is he's hungry and he wants to eat, and we need to be uh, feeding on the Word of God. Well, that is so true, and I hope that that, does, that that thought has come into your mind. And it is to dwell within us. Uh, Gypsy Smith told of a man who said he had received no inspiration from the Bible, although he had gone through it several times. And then Gypsy Smith replied, well, why don't you, instead of going through it, why don't you let it go through you once? And then you will tell a different story. And that's true. We don't need to just read through the Bible and, and, uh, and, and go through it. We need to let it go through us so that it dwells within us. Okay, now how can we let the Word of God dwell in us? Uh, four uh, quick things here uh, regarding getting the Word of God in us. Okay, first we need to read it. We must read the Scriptures. Psalm 119 and verse number 18 says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. We need to open our eyes and get our eyes on the Scriptures. Okay, it's a trite saying, but uh, most of us are on Facebook, and most of us take time to look at Facebook. But really, where we need to get our face is in this book, right? Before we spend time scrolling through what everybody's eating for breakfast and, and all of those things, we need to get our eyes on the Scriptures. Job 23 and verse number 12 said this, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. He said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, most of us are pretty faithful about eating, aren't we? 
Some of us are like religious eaters. I never miss a meal. I eat every meal every day. I am like so disciplined in making sure that I eat. Some of us are, go a little above and beyond. And uh, we make sure we have desserts and snacks and all of those things. And I'm not saying we shouldn't eat, but listen, Job got to the point where he said, the word of God is more important to me than eating. Remember, Jesus said, hey, we should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So uh, we, this needs to be a priority in our lives, so much so that, hey, it's more important to us than even eating. While in Bible college, I heard this phrase, no Bible, then no breakfast. Well, if we all live that way, either we all be really, really skinny, <laughs> or maybe we'd be a little more spiritual, spiritually strong, because we make sure we get the Word of God in us. So uh, I would just encourage you to make reading the Scriptures a priority, a daily priority in our lives. Remember, it was Jesus who instructed us to pray, give us this day our weekly bread. That's not what he said, is it? Give us this day our daily bread. And, and yet so many Christians, the only time they open the Scriptures is when they show up for church. If they go to a church that even preaches the Bible, we had a visitor not long ago who uh, came and said, I've been to four different churches in this area, and not one of them preached from the Bible. I'm like, well, I, you didn't come to our church then. You need to come to our church. And, and Brother Blake, I think, went door knocking and, and talked to this lady, and he said, at our church, we open the Bible. And I'm thankful that we have a church that does preach from the Word of God. And, and in our fellowship hall, there's the teaching and preaching of the Word of the Lord. And that's a big mural in our, uh, in our fellowship hall. And I love that. That's just an encouragement and a reminder for what we should be doing. But look, if we just wait for Sunday for the preacher to open up the Scriptures and, and, and read them, and that's the only time we open the Scriptures ourselves, uh, we're going to become very, very weak. We're going to become anemic. Give us this day our daily bread. It needs to be something we read on a daily basis. Mrs. Jones relaxed by reading her Bible every day. And after observing this habit for a while, her four-year-old daughter asked, aren't you ever going to get finished reading that book? <laughs> you know, no. We're not, because you read it, and you find things new each day. His mercies are new every day, and, and, and new every morning. And, and I, I, you know, you read that pass, passages, and, and you've read it a hundred times, and you read it the next, the next time, and it's like, whoa, I just learned something new. I didn't see that before. So keep reading it. Is really reading the Bible a necessary part of your day, or does it just, is it not really that big of a priority? George Mueller, after having read the Bible through 100 times, with increasing delight, by the way, made this statement. He said, I took it upon it as a lost day when I have not had a good time over the Word of God. Friends often say, I have so much to do, so many people to see, I cannot find time for Scripture study. He said, perhaps there are not many who have more to do than I. 
He said, for more than half a century, I have never known one day when I had not more business than I could get through. He said, for four years, I had annually about 30,000 letters, and most of these have passed through my own hands. Then he said, as a pastor of a church with 1,200 believers, great has been my care. Besides, I have had charge of five immense orphanages, also at my publishing depot, the printing and circulations of millions of tracts, books, and Bibles. But I've always made it a rule never to begin work until I've had a good season with God and His Word. The blessing I have received has been wonderful. I imagine most of us are busy. Most of us have things to do, and our to-do lists are longer than the amount of time we have to get them done, and yet we all, have a, we all make time for what's important for it, to us, right? Hey, if sleeping's important, you'll make time for that. If eating's important, you'll make time for that. I'm encouraging you tonight to make the Word of God important to you because we're to let it dwell in us. And so in order for it to dwell in us, we've got to spend time reading it. So we must read it. We also must research it. See, it's not enough just to read it and check it off our to-do list. We must study it and know it. It was Paul who instructed Timothy to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're to study it. According to James Hamilton, there are two kinds of Bible readers. Those who simply skim the surface and then there's those who dig deep. He describes them by comparing them to two common insects. And this is going to sound a little contradictory to the revival services we've just had. But he said, uh, one is remarkable for its imposing plumage, which shows in the sunbeams like the dust of gems as you watch its jaunty gyrations over the fields and its minuet dance from Flower to flower, you cannot help admiring its graceful activity, for it is plainly getting over a great deal of ground. But in the same field, there is another worker, whose brown vest and business-like straightforward flight may not have arrested your eye. His fluttering neighbor darts down here and there and sips elegantly where, wherever he can find a drop, drop of ready nectar. But this dingy plotter makes a point of alighting everywhere, and wherever he alights, either finds honey or makes it. If the flower cup be deep, he goes down to the bottom. If its dragon mouth be shut, he thrusts its lips asunder. And if the nectar be peculiar, he explores all about it till he discovers it. His rival of the painted velvet wing has no patience for such dull and long-winded details. The one died last October, though, and the other is warm in its hive amidst the fragrant stores he has gathered. Which type of Bible reader are you? A butterfly or a bee? Of course, we're instructed to make the change like the caterpillar goes from the butterfly. I don't want to take anything away from that thought. But when it comes to a Bible reader, are you just kind of a butterfly kind of going around and saying, oh, here's a... a, a, a a low-hanging fruit, a, an easy nugget to take, or are you willing to be like the bee and go deep to get the real nectar so that you can make honey that will sustain you for the rest of your life? Which one are you going to be? We're called to research the Word of God and to study it. 
Again, it's not enough to just read it. We've got to get into it and find out what it says if we're going to really let it dwell within. So we must read it. We must research it. Uh, Number three here, we must ruminate on it. This is the idea of uh, meditation, of chewing the cud like a cow. And Brother Decker referenced that and and how a a cow doesn't just uh, chew the food and let it go in and that's it. It regurgitates it and, and brings it back up and he begins to chew it again. Now, isn't that delightful? Now, I enjoyed my lunch. I had a bagel and some goldfish. But I don't know that I'd want to have it come back up and chew it again. Um, I don't think that would be really tasty. But that's what cows do, and, and that's what we're called to do when it comes to the Scriptures. We're, we're to consume the Scriptures, but then let it come back up again and think about it again and dwell upon it and, 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 and maybe let it kind of go away for a bit and then bring it back up again and dwell on it. That's what we're called to do. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein whenever you want to. No, it says day and night that thou mayest observe to do uh, that is all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Psalm 1 also references this. Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So, well, we don't have time for that because we're thinking about all the things and we're stressing out about all the things of this life. We're to maybe maybe put those things aside so that we can think about the Word of God and apply it to our life. And when we do, the Bible says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I want that promise in my life, don't you? The only way that's going to happen is if we do delight in the Word of God enough to read it, to research it, and to ruminate on it, and to let it simmer in our hearts and our minds. What what are we to think about? Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Whatsoever things are true and righteous and lovely and pure and all those things, that all describes the Scriptures. So those are the things that we need to dwell upon. You say, well, I've got other things to think on. I get it. But let's throughout the day and night think on the Scriptures. Let's ruminate on them. And then number four, last thought here on this is we must remember it. Psalm 119, verse 11. A young man uh, this evening quoted this verse. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he use to combat the devil in those moments? He used the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He said it is written each time he was faced with a temptation. And he had taken the Word of God into his, and he, it was dwelling within. And as a result, he was successful over those temptations. A noted Bible teacher, uh, E. Schuler English, told of Michael Billister, a Bible distributor who visited a small hamlet in Poland shortly before World War II. Billister gave a Bible to a villager. And this villager got saved just by reading the Scriptures. The new believer then passed the book on to others. This one, this same Bible, he got saved by reading it, and then he passed it on uh, to others. 
The cycle of conversions and sharing continued until 200 people had become believers through that one Bible. When Billister returned in 1940, this group of Christians met together for a worship service in which he was to preach the word. Now, he normally asked for testimonies, but this time he suggested that several in the attendance recite verses of Scripture, which we have done with the children here tonight. One man stood and said, perhaps we have misunderstood. Did you mean verses or chapters? You see, these villagers had not memorized a few select verses of the Bible, but whole chapters and books. And again, it was one Bible that they all kind of shared. Thirteen people knew Matthew, Luke, and half of Genesis. Another person had committed to memory the entire book of Psalms. That single copy of the Bible given by Billister, of course, had done its work. Are we doing a good job getting the Word of God in us? Dwelling upon it? And letting it dwell in us? See, we are instructed here to, uh, here in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you. But notice the verse goes on to say, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. The word richly means abundance. To the point it produces wisdom in our lives. I have a bowl of water here. And we're going to say the water in this bowl represents the Word of God. And uh, there is a reference in the Scriptures that does talk about the water of the Word. And here's us. And we're instructed to get the Word of God in us. And so we take a moment and we read in the morning and we get a little bit, we get a little bit there. And we start to research it. We start to study it. And then we start to ruminate on it and dwell upon it. And then we start to memorize it and we start to get it in our hearts. And see, now it's... Well, it's starting to get in there and, and see it's, it's dwelling in us richly to the point where, let me, let me go ahead and get it all in here. Give it a second to let it really get into this sponge. It's getting in there. It's getting in there. Come on, get in there. <laughs> Takes time to get in there, doesn't it? So water's in here. Oh, it's way heavy now. And so now, when the pressures of life come, what comes out? The water does. Or in our case, hopefully, the Word of God. Because the Word of God is dwelling in us richly. And that's the way it ought to be. Not just partially. I mean, here's what most Christians are. Uh, they're pretty dry, to be honest. Because we don't have time for God's Word. We don't have time to study it. We don't have time to go to FBI. We don't have time to uh, memorize Scripture. I mean, we don't have time for that stuff. I've got a lot of things to do. 
I've got school, I've got work, I've got activities, I've got sports, I've got all these things. I just don't have time for the Word of God. Well, as a result, when the pressures of life come, ain't nothing coming out that's good. But those who take the time to get in the Word of God and let it dwell richly, see, which one are you? Are you dry? Or are you letting the Word of God dwell in you richly? Uh, that's the key word there. Some people are like, well, I'll just... Say, I read my Bible, aren't I a good Christian? I mean, good job, but the idea here is that we're to let it dwell in us richly. So when the pressures of life come, and by the way, don't you know they will? What do you want to come out of your life? Do you want the fruit of the Spirit to come out, or do you want dryness to come out and like other things that aren't as good and pleasant as the Word of God to come out? Which one are you? Which sponge are you? We're instructed here in the Scriptures, and when it comes to these top priorities, to let the Word of God, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly to the point where it's causing wisdom in our lives, to where we're making good decisions. So one of the top priorities is the Word of God, letting it dwell in us richly. Let us make that one of the top priorities in our lives. Secondly, as we continue in this verse, the second priority here is the worship of God. So we see the Word of God, but now the worship of God in verse number 16, as we continue on, it says, "...teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord." Now, here we have the priority of the worship of God. Now, I want us to kind of notice here these three categories of songs, admonishing one another in psalms. Now, psalms was the original hymn book, the book of psalms, the ones, the songs that uh, they were actual songs that people actually sang. And, and uh, we, I've sung many of them uh, before, and, and it'd be good to bring into our church uh, some of these psalms that are put to music and that we can sing. Uh, but the book of Psalms is some of the things that we ought to be singing, and then also hymns, um, and then spiritual songs. And of course, the word spiritual is the opposite of carnal. And so with, with these three type of songs that we're to bring... Now, by the way, back in uh, Paul's day, it wasn't like they were able to pull out a hymnal like we have here and turn to Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, or How Great Thou Art. Those are uh, relatively newer songs compared to the time in which Paul was writing to the church of Colossae. But there were other songs that they had, uh, I'm sure, started to learn, and, and many of these are probably referencing back to the Psalms. Uh, many Bible scholars believe that they were just a reference back to several of the different Psalms that were there. And by the way, this does have some instructive quality for us as a church family because this was written to a church family. And uh, this was all within uh, regarding church worship. And so it is important for us as a church to sing the right type of songs and to sing. Um, I know that some people are like, well, I'm not really all that musical, and I could kind of do without the, the song part of the service. It's something we're instructed to do. And so it's very biblical and scriptural for us to be involved in a worship in this way. 
And uh, I, by the way, I do plan to, I'm going to kind of not spend too much time on this thought here because I'm going to, uh, I plan to go through a sermon series on this topic uh, in the coming months. So stay tuned for more information on that. But um, I do want to just point out on this thought here is the audience on which we are to be singing. In verse number 16, um, ultimately our main audience is the Lord. At the end of the verse, it says, uh, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And number one, when we're singing here on Sundays and Wednesdays, um, ultimately, the Lord is our audience. But He's not the only audience, actually. Uh, verse number 16, at the beginning, or let me read the whole verse here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And here's that, that, that next thought here is teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So yes, ultimately, our main audience is God, but our second audience is to one another. We're to sing these songs as instruction and to admonish uh, one another in these songs. So it, there's, a, there's a purpose behind it. Uh, yes, worshiping God, but also we all learn from, from, from the singing process. We all learn from the words of these songs. So it, there is an audience, yes, the Lord, also though with others, but also just in your own heart, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so um, it's, it's also benefits me as well. And so uh, with that, we'll move on to the next thought here, because again, I'm going to spend quite a bit more time on this in the coming months, but... Uh, it is a top priority for Christians, and that is the worship of God. But number three here, uh, the last one, and that's found in verse number 17, the work of God. And verse number 17, whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And so as we understand our purpose in this life is ultimately to bring glory to God through everything we do and everything we say. He mentions here in verse number 17, whatsoever you do in word. These are the things that flow from our lips. Do all those things, whatever comes out of my lips, in the name of the Lord Jesus. The deeds that I do, these are the things that flow from my life. These all need to do, these all need to be in the name of the Lord Jesus. So whatsoever you do, do all, everything in the name of the Lord. In other words, let everything we say and everything we do be in line with His holy name. Would the Lord Jesus be able to put His stamp of approval upon the things that come out of my life and the things that come out of my lips? Would He be okay with the things that I say and with the things that I do? Because that's what He's saying here. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Psalm 19 and verse 14, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That was a recent memory verse for us as a church. So let the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. Like, <coughs> let that be a filter that covers your mouth that, hey, I'm not going to let anything out of my mouth that the Lord wouldn't be okay listening to. 
You know, if I'm having a conversation and I'm here with Joel and I'm kind of comfortable talking with him and then his dad comes in and we like totally change the conversation. Like, okay, shouldn't probably talk bad about the Broncos anymore. It's okay to talk bad about the Broncos, right? Well, if we're having an inappropriate conversation and dad comes in and, and it's like, oh, hi. The thing is, my friend, the Lord Jesus, his ear is in every conversation that takes place. He notices every word. In fact, the Bible says, Jesus says that we're all going to give an account for every idle word that we have spoken. So would the Lord approve of what you're going to say? So are the words that I speak to someone else be pleasing to the Lord? Or the words that I say about someone else, would those be pleasing to the Lord? Would you be okay if he was right there? Would you say the exact same thing if he was physically right there listening? Because I, I do want to remind you that the Lord does indeed hear, hear everything we say and sees everything that we do. Proverbs 13, 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So would the Lord approve of what I'm about, what's about to come out of my lips? And would the Lord approve of what I'm about to do? Again, verse, 16, verse 17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Every activity that we do, everything that we look at, every, every website we go to, every app that we download, every, every game that we play, every game that we watch, everything we see on purpose and, and choose to do, would the Lord approve of it? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Even in, our, even in the choice of food that we eat, is it to the glory of God? Or is it just like, hey, it doesn't really matter. It's my life. I'm going to live it however I want. I don't really care what anybody says. Would the Lord approve of what I'm about to do? That's a great question for all of us to ask before we do an activity. Would the Lord approve? And then in the end of verse number 17, he, he kind of starts in verse 15 with ending with be thankful. And then verse 17 ends very similarly, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And we are to be thankful. And that is something we're getting ready to kind of focus in on as we get ready for Thanksgiving here soon. But again, this should uh, define who we are all the time, not just once a year, one month out of the 12 that we live. We're to give thanks to God and the Father by Him. And then, verse number 18. We're not going to get there tonight, but we are going to start talking about the family as we move through this passage. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. We're going to start zeroing in on the family and how it's supposed to manifest itself in the home, the things that we've been talking about. But tonight, the top priorities for Christians, letting the Word of God dwell in us richly to where when life squeezes us, the Word of God comes out.
It's like we're so full of the Word of God. It just is It's so abundant. It's so rich in us that we just can't help but come out in our thought process, in our words, in our actions. We're just so full of the Scriptures. You say, well, that's just a little excessive, don't you think? He tells us to let us let, let the Word of God dwell richly in all wisdom. And then the worship of God, we do need to be involved in that. I would encourage you to put your heart into it when we sing here at, at Cornerstone. Um, I, do, I mean, Brother Blake encourages us, Brother Randy encourages us to sing out. We shouldn't have to be instructed to do that. It should be something that we automatically already want to do. And that we have a, just a vibrant worship time in our service, that we're not singing for one another, we're not trying to make a show. I know whoever has to lead singing, I do feel bad for them because they have to hear me sing. And I don't just, how great thou art, how great. I sing out. And I'm sure it's like, can you please not sing out? Because it's kind of affecting the way I'm singing. It's kind of throwing me off here. But look, we do need to make a joyful noise and put our heart into it. And, uh, and then also, we, when it comes to our work for God, we need to understand that everything we do and say needs to be to His approval. We need to be okay with Him putting His stamp of approval upon everything that we do and say. Every word that comes out of our mouth, every action that we do. And with that, let's pray, and we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up. Lord, thank You for the opportunity tonight to look at these uh, two verses here that really give us some pretty big priorities in our lives. Help us, Lord, to um, implement these, especially the Word of God. Please help us to let it dwell in each and every one of us. Help us each to read it, to research it, to, let, to ruminate it, to, to remember it. And then, Lord, may it be so rich in us to where it just oozes out as the pressures of life come. Help us, Lord, to have the Word of God in us to where we know it. We're not just casual Bible readers, but that we're like the bee that goes in and dives deep to get the nectar that will keep us alive for, for a long time and healthy spiritually for a long time. Help us, Lord, to worship you uh, fervently and with our heart. And Lord, help it. may it be an instructive tool in our church that we use to encourage and, and build up one another teach and admonish. Help us also then to be careful about our work for you, to make sure that our words and our actions are all pleasing in your sight. Because, Lord, you are seeing what's going on. And I pray, Lord, that that would impact the decisions that we make. That would impact the words that we use. That would impact the lives we live. Well, thank you for all that you do. And in Jesus' name, amen.